0: what is it it's march 16th
1: 2016 this is idle thumbs 254
2: i'm chris remo i'm nick Brecken. i'm jake rodkin and And so i was just gonna say that i'm steve game but i guess i'm not really a host anymore i'm simply a guest you're an honorary,
1: you're a, a, what is it? A Host uh, emeritus. Host emeritus. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Steve Gaynor. That's me. <laughs> we did a great job, <laughs> as always. Writer and designer of Gone Home. Yeah. And
2: former co-host of this podcast. Mm-hmm. And now I'm working on Tacoma, and I'm at, in San Francisco for GDC. Nice. 2016, the 30th yeah. anniversary. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Man, that means that in, like, in several years, there's, there's a few years from now, I will have gone to half of all the GDCs that have happened.
0: Wow. And then you'll have gone to more than half of them, and that's when you should quit making games. <laughs> well,
1: it'll still be a while, though. Because uh, be... you started going in 2005? No, 2003, I think. Oh, okay. The GDC yeah. started, yeah. So. so this is the 30th, which means I've been to, like, 12 of
2: them. So no. Yeah. You can do it, Chris. You can do the math. I believe in you. I don't... we now, <laughs> If you can do that math, right into questions at net. Tell Chris when he will have gone to half of all the GDCs. Thanks.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Develop a game to simulate this, the, this uh,
0: interesting challenge.
1: And then enter <laughs> it in the Idle Thumbs Wizard Jam whenever that happens again. And then confer oh,
0: yeah. about it at the at developers' GDC, conference. On the Idle Forum. At GDC uh, 2022, which will be when Chris has gone to more than half of them. No, I don't actually. I didn't, I didn't do that. Um, <clears throat> so, what are we talking about here on this podcast? Anyway, have you guys seen anything cool at GDC yet?
2: Saw that guy.
0: We should have all checked between us if we had anything interesting to talk about before we sat down. (laughs) I liked other talks,
2: but mostly Jake's. What did Jake talk about? Oh, my God. (laughs) I did not play Super Hypercube yet, but (laughs) I wanted to. It's at the Day of the Devs thing. I played it at a thing maybe like three or four months ago, and it's fucking good. And I don't even like VR, but Super Hypercube is fucking good. So that game is made by... Kokoromi.
1: Mm-hmm. So what is Kokoromi exactly then? I think, I
0: think it just started off as an just interactive artist collective in mm-hmm. Canada in whichever city Phil Fish was in I think, I thought. Yeah. And like, because I know uh, Super Hypercube started as a game jam game that those guys made in okay. a um, I didn't realize that. There was... Remember when Um, There was that brief window where everyone got excited about putting the um, two LEDs on your glasses and having the Wii Sensor Bar do head head tracking. tracking, Mm -hmm. Super Hypercube, I think, came out of a Wii Sensor Bar head tracking jam.
1: Oh, cool.
0: And then it got Hmm. pitched uh, around as that. And then got pitched around as a connect thing and then finally turned into a VR thing. So, like, it's been sort of floating in and out of those guys' lives for, like, yeah. a decade now. Wow. The then, lead
2: developer on it is Heather Kelly, who <laughs> has done, like, a lot of academic stuff, but she's also done a lot of, like, hardware-based um, game and interactive stuff. And then, yeah, I think Phil, like, is basically responsible for all the visuals. Harvard design and stuff, yeah, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> um, so, yeah, it looks very... You can totally see the, like... Super, you know, like neon line. It looks like Fez. the trailer yeah, for Fez 2. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: that game. That game only exists so far. Fo- I mean, I'm aware that the game exists more than this, but to my perception, empirically, that game only exists as like gifs on Twitter, <laughs> and it's amazing. <sighs> like in that form, it's amazing. I don't. I assume the game is also I've, cool. I've played it's, it. It's just the way that good. game looks in motion is so like just all of the like laser light aesthetic and everything is so. Crisp and clean and intentional looking, as and the
0: actual like acceleration and animation when those things impact. Like it's really like you feel it. It's extremely good. crunchy so cool. and like yeah. yeah. So <clears throat> it's it's the good VR game because it is that inside, and that's all that's inside of the VR headset. And I really like it for that. Yep. We're yeah. just like
1: it's it, like it, you're inside what virtual reality is. It's yeah, to be. but
0: it's also not afraid to just go fuck it. Your entire display is just filled up with a rainbow gradient for a little while or right. whatever. Like, but you can. I don't know. It's, it's good. Like,
1: it, it's like um. It feels like a more uh, kind of art-directed version of what, like, a Jeff Minter experience wants You know what I mean? it's... This sort yeah, of, like, overwhelming it... audio-visual experience, but those games have, like, by just sort of their identity is very chaotic and, like, messy and yes. weird and just colors everywhere.
0: But this is so clean. And- I, f- I find Super Hypercube interesting because I feel like they're actually... God this is going to sound shitty and meaningless but I feel like Super Hypercube is one of the few VR games that we've seen that treats VR as a medium and as like mm-hmm. a canvas mm-hmm. on which yeah, to not work just an extension, instead of yeah. just like what if it's a real it's real life but you're inside of it this is like what does it actually mean like to do to compose like deliberate compositions and shapes inside of this space or to just sort of have things so close to your face that effectively VR is off for stylistic reasons right. at certain points or mm-hmm. the whole world becomes so homogenized could, or whatever. Can like...
1: one of you guys describe what this game is
0: to oh, play yeah. at all or I, I did. I did on a previous episode, but I can't again. I mean yeah, super just, hypercube it's I mean I could um, also
2: do it if you don't want to do it again. I love talking about hypercube okay. You Why can interrupt
0: I... me when I get it wrong or when you get too excited or mad. Okay. <laughs> it's a deal. <laughs> Super Hypercube is a like it's a falling block puzzle game in the sp- in the spirit of a Tetris or something but it's far more simple than that. Like Super Hypercube starts with uh it's a lot more like Wel- well It is a lot more like weltris, <laughs> more like weltris. What about Wet-tricks? I don't think it's like that that's, Nick. That's it's no. Unreal. What okay. are weltricks weltris
1: and Wetrix? I feel like weltris I remember Weltris is real. Wetrix is the recesses of my memory but no.
3: Wel-tricks is real. I know it's real, <laughs> but you shouldn't have said you it. say wet tricks? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> See? <laughs> Classic well tricks like and ch- wet
1: tricks. Is that like a childhood game that you used to play? Like, no, it's an it was, adult it was,
3: game, Chris. It's an adult. <laughs> yeah, yeah it's, it's for adults. It's M-rated.
1: <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> <laughs> virtual reality killer app wet tricks
0: from Phil Fish. Right. Anyway, so in Super Hypercube,
2: <laughs> the, ver- the first thing wet. that
0: happens, basically... <sighs> A cube starts effectively in front of you or just behind you or something, and it just dis- and it floats away from you. And you're in VR. Yeah. You can rotate the cube on any axis using the uh, analog or the, the analog the thumb stick. Sticks, yeah. yeah, the thumbsticks or the triggers to do like so you can get you can you know spin it all around itself. Off in the distance, there's a huge wall with a hole in it that is the sh- that is just a oh, square. Right. And you can wait for the cube to go in there, or you can press the drop button like Tetris, and it just slams into it. At which point, that wall comes flying towards you and does all sorts of insane neon effects. Then,
2: the, uh, the, the then you like like yeah, the feedback is really good because it like slams into it and it, like squeezes through it, and then comes out the other side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it's very stuff awesome. like that is so good.
0: And then uh, the game just like off from the left or right or any direction, another cube comes flying in and grafts itself to that cube, so now you have a two by one cube and you're still just given a single square to put it into. So right. you have to you then have to rotate, rotate it, everything around. And then yeah. it goes boom, boom, puts two more cubes on, and then you just have a completely insane shape. And it's basically... Well, then it starts
1: adding... So like, then you're like having to find the right
0: silhouette you, yeah, you, that yeah. matches... Yeah. Yes, yeah. It, it starts
2: adding like tetronomos and right. shit. Like, yeah, you know, yeah, okay. yeah, it just...
0: S-shaped it, things it just like well like long onto the sides. Just a ton of stuff. And you comes, look at
2: it, and you're like, oh, if I rotated this once towards me on the horizontal and twice on the vertical, the, the outline of that would match the Would whole. match the weird shape So
1: here's a question for you, having played it. Do you find that that is actually how you play it, or do you play it like I'm just going to madly r- rotate 90 degrees at a time until I get to the thing I want? And you, pa- match it's the it's the
0: sort of game where you can get into the like puzzle game zen state. I feel like where you yeah. sort of know your shape yeah. and you remember it, yeah. and the fact that it's in 3D does not entirely allow that, but it does let you sort of like. You can glance around. No, the it's, sides. it's super valuable actually because, like, well, it's okay, almost so, like because so it's, like it's trolling you because the, at the at the beginning the shape is just literally in front of you, so you can't see the hole without moving your head to look around <laughs> oh, man, the shape. That's so, good. <laughs> so you have to like yeah. lean to the left to like you know have the yeah. shape over on the right, and then rotate it, and then sort of like lean back and like go does the silhouette match? It's almost like you're like eyeing up, you know, like you are trying to line it up with your eyes to then make it line up again. Yeah. Uh,
2: And it it does, um, I think it's somewhere in between, where it's like, you look at how it's currently oriented, and you can see the shape, and I think you can definitely be like, you know, you're you're looking around at what the shapes on the different side of the three-dimensional thing are, and you're like, okay, I think uh, I'm going to turn it left... No way. Okay, one more time. Okay, and then if I turn it right. Okay, and now I got it. You know, right, so you kind of right. like you are you're, you're you
1: feeling you, towards something. Well, that you and can I mean, yeah. sometimes grasp you can be like, oh, most of, but not
2: all right. Yeah, or sometimes yeah. if you're if you're good or lucky, you're like, I think it's two to the left and one up, and you just got it. But yeah. sometimes yeah. It's like, oh no, it's one more. Oh, up, and right. also yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. it has it has bombs basically. Where if you get into t- if you're like I'm fucked, and you're doing a crazy manic thing, you get um. It has a cooldown, but you can press a button, and the whole game just goes and goes, and just suddenly slows down, mm-hmm. and then you're in basically like bullet time. So you can you get extra time to manipulate the shape, but then you and the world gets a weird like black and white look. It like just changes the aesthetic, yeah. and then you that you can't do that again for a while. Right, right, right. Um, and if you miss, it's not instant game over. But I think any of the pieces that don't fit just get ripped off of your shape. Uh, and you can only do that a few so times. So you basically
2: lose a life, but then it makes the shape simpler. So it, like, knocks you down a difficulty yeah. level, but you can only do that a couple of times before it's just game over. Yeah.
0: This game it's was, so this good. game
1: was announced this week for the PlayStation VR. It, I think, well,
2: well, it's I think been it was announced, announced for PlayStation VR,
0: but it was oh, announced okay, that okay. it's going to hit the launch. Uh, oh, it's it's okay. going to be, a, it's gonna gonna be launch a launch game in October. Game for, Got yeah. it. Okay, yes. okay.
1: Maybe I'll have to get one of those things then. <laughs> I wasn't counting on that. <laughs> yeah, it's... I, does it feel like it could be played with other VR solutions, or does it seem like does it? it, it yeah, it does. Yeah, yeah. It I mean anything an anything Oculus that supports
0: anything that supports head tracking yeah. feels like it could be. It could I don't work.
1: know enough about the fine differences between all of the ones. I to, mean, to honestly,
0: know. it's a game that you could devolve down to just be the mouse. Your mouse look equals Absolutely. your head, and yeah. then keyboard rotates it. But it is like the fact that it is just an insane seventies sure. laser festival, and you are inside of it, and they deliberately built it so you have to like. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like you're almost like it's a VR game where you're almost tempted to like close one eye to deliberately flatten the perspective (laughs) out the way that you do when you're trying to, you know, like align things Mm -hmm. with your eye. It's a very strange sensation.
1: It feels like the kind of experience that that if I know this is not directly analogous to anything like in the movie Tron, but stuff like this that as Jake, as you say, treats VR more as a medium than as just like a sort of incidental canvas for um, translating existing kinds of experiences um, Although not that we don't have Tetris Like games but you know yeah, um, to, we don't have to, to your point Or wet tricks, uh, or wet tricks. Um, <laughs> This feels like so, like sort of trying to evoke More of the probably not a, it, Intentionally in these terms but trying to get at more of the feeling That the people in the actual movie Tron got out of Playing the games in Tron Right? You know it's like where you're in this like ver- Abstract virtual world But there's a clear game System that you're engaging with that's like in front of your face, but it's not just like playing an arcade cabinet. When they translated those games to right. arcade cabinets that you can just play in the real world, like this stuff, like this feels closer to me to like achieving that sensation because yeah. you're like if you're just like in the world of cyber stuff, you know,
2: <laughs> like I don't know, I think that stuff. Which is, I mean, we are, yeah, sure. Well, let's be honest here. Yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, if, if you're going to make a game that experiments with like fully 3d surrounding weird compositions that just like you might as well make it fucking neon lasers yeah. everywhere like if you're gonna course, do it just yeah. make it make it make it be have a you, world of lasers and rainbow gradients that explode
1: <laughs> have you put any super hypercube images on your recall blog
2: steve <laughs> i don't think so some i think i just might, haven't come across those I they would totally fit yeah um i mean i yeah i like absolutely like jake said i think that i mean i'm I'm not a big, I'm not like, I don't get excited about VR stuff very much, but the stuff that is cool is when it's like, okay, this is something that was built as like VR is, this is what VR is about. This isn't about like, well, let's sit in a normal room. You know, it's like, no, this is like something that's unique to the medium and I think it's just fun to be like, Mm -hmm. and let's make it look like the 80s conception of what we thought yeah. cyber mm-hmm. cyberspace was going to be like fuck it like that's what people want yep. and it fits the weird abstract game anyway. work. well i mean we want it's not <laughs> what i mean it's it is it's at least a it's a it's a thing that people can recognize is like oh that's that like thing that you would see in movies yeah but yeah, it's yeah. actually
0: the thing and right. yeah and i was, it really support the abstract nature of the game i think so. i was very glad that sony actually like and, and Kokoromi made it a launch game like I want Super Hypercube to just be the PlayStation VR pack-in game like what I wish is that Sony yeah, would just yeah. buy yeah. like the like, Wii that, Sports sort that could be like, the Tetris this, it yeah, could be the Tetris the, to yeah. Game Boy or the Wii Sports yeah it's just yeah. like y- your mom might think it's weird for a second but the moment that she actually puts the headset on it would be like oh I understand how to play this because it, I don't think
2: mom likes this game. oh no th- I was gonna say I don't, talk, know. I, think, I don't I think know. mom likes okay, Wii um, Sports and I do not think she likes Super Hypercube maybe
0: not our mom but there are moms um, now that are younger than us maybe Nick's mom maybe Nick Okay. <laughs> uh, no, mom.
2: Okay, as in my mom. I think it I still. I, I. I mean, regardless of like the shorthand we're using, I do think Super Hypercube is much more uh, aggressive about making you feel like, oh, this is this is like intimidating. I'm not gonna mm. do that because it is like fast paced, and when you do fail, it's like. Pfft and you get owned. Like, I think it's a very <laughs> cool game. What's it like, I, Steve? You get owned. Uh, it's not like, for moms. <laughs> and you get owned. Um, it, 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 it is not, not for moms. Is that what you said a second ago? <laughs>
0: yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah, that would be like the warning label. It's, I, I would just say, like... <laughs> in the, in the commercial for
0: that, <laughs> yeah, yeah, 95, the kid would, like... like the, yeah. all,
1: in the, the commercial for that, what would happen when it, like would the out of the headset all of the like lasers and electricity <laughs> would come and like fry the kid's brain right. yeah, yeah, as yeah. he's playing it and then yeah. his they would, like out of his teeth it would like <laughs> All of the weird shockwaves would erupt as he's like twitching right. on the floor. And then floor. his teeth
3: would just chatter and say, Not for moms. <laughs> yeah, no
0: way. It would they cut you like the black
1: and white footage of like a scientist.
3: Oh, well, yeah. Your yeah, researcher. yeah exactly, it's yeah. not
0: for moms. <laughs> <laughs>
1: let's, let's... And then his teeth would jump out of his head and then eat the kid and then also say, Not it's for moms. It's a super hyper
0: cube. <laughs> uh, yeah. It's in the game,
2: apparently. Hold <laughs> uh, on, Virtual Boy. I, it I, it I mean is, is a bit more intimidating. I it's not as
0: inviting as like Wii Sports. I think, the, I think a comparison to Tetris is actually reasonably fair, given the era that Tetris came out in this. I think, but, yeah, I, I think um, Tetris is a lot closer, right? I think that I think I might have talked about the last or time Walters. I talked about Super Hypercube. It's the smallest detail that I... That I missed something, whatever. That I, that I love <laughs> is... It uses a DualShock controller, and the DualShock has that light bar on the back, which yeah. means that the uh, Sony iToy camera mm-hmm. can track its position, so... When you look down in Super Hypercube... you Do they see. still call that the Sony iToy camera? I don't know. I imagine On it is. PlayStation 4? All I call it is it's an iToy. Let's fucking I'm call it an sure iToy. I'm pretty sure they call it just a PS4 camera. Fuck that. It's an iToy. It is an iToy. Always it's i-toy. iToy forever. Okay. Um, anyway, when you Prince look... Of C, you're the iToy. <laughs> when you look down in Super Hypercube, the same way that you see like uh, the like Rift or the Vive controllers or whatever... They made a totally neon glowy dual shock that oh, tracks good. to your hand. Like a wireframe one? Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Well it's it's only like the important parts. It looks like if okay. someone literally like if an artist made a three D dual shock out of actual <clears throat> neon tubing. Right. And you can rotate it around in your hand and stuff, and it's it's flashy as fuck, but also it just lets you see where the stupid face buttons on the controller are <laughs> right. cuz you look down cuz it says press X to stop time and you're like oh it's a PlayStation I which can never remember on which one uh, that uh, is yeah. and then just looking down and seeing that is so good yeah. like it also grounds you in the space in a really nice way like it's it's highly good I don't I don't think that other games that have a dual shock on PlayStation VR are going to do that but it seems like they should because yeah, it's just cool. it's it was really good
2: Sweet. good
0: VR UI well, that's super good hyper-keasy. vruy, <laughs> good vruy, as they call it. Mm. Do they?
2: Yeah. Okay. Anything else you guys have been <laughs> enjoying on the
1: GDC show floor? Um, not the show floor, but I went to a talk about Darkest Dungeon. Oh yeah. Today. That oh, I won- tucked into that for a second. Oh yeah, yeah it was really good. <clears throat> I mean, that game was great. Did you guys play that game?
2: A I bit, played yeah. it Some. Yeah. Just it was. I thought it was like a really good game. Um, uh, it, it owned the shit out of me, and I alt f Ford <laughs> and Well, that's because you're content. Steve. Well, I don't know. I just like got very owned. Yeah.
1: Well, I mean, a lot of the talk was about making a game that is supposed to own you. Yeah. Like the, you know, I mean, I know you. Why you, can't
2: the game just leave me alone?
1: I know, Steve. <laughs> I've heard, I've heard you like it doesn't make have to this own complaint me so about much. games before. I know. It's a, some some people like games that that own them yeah, that's true. more than you do, <laughs> and I'm one of them often. Um... But uh, yeah, this Darkest Dungeon is like a a side scrolling party based RPG with a, a really cool sort of very sh- like light and shadow woodcut art style that's really really unique in video games I think um, and it does looks very much
2: like um, Mike Mignola's yeah like Hellboy that's, a, that's a good that's a good touchstone yeah
1: um, gets a, gets away with a lot of of sort of like Relatively low fidelity animation, but because the style is so bold and elemental, it, it works really well and feels really cohesive. And it's a just a really punishing game where you have a party of four adventurers like going through these catacombs and like going insane and suffering terrible status effects and getting sick and you know just it's 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 brutal and uh, very ran you know sort of random number generator like dominated, but also there's a lot of strategy and tactics it's turn-based strategy tactics kind of game at its heart anyway so um the i guess lead designer of the game um did a a talk about it and one of the, the thing that will cool, like, be on designer notes uh coming up oh cool
3: speaking yeah, yeah. okay well, so, so that's Johnson why soren turns, in, oh that's, guessed, that's yeah. why he's not right, here right Sorin now Johnson because he's the, gonna record uh, yeah. a podcast with that guy so watch okay out for cool that.
1: well that's awesome well then you'll you maybe you'll hear some of the stuff
2: I'm going to yeah. relate, but yeah, I'll definitely listen to that episode. time. Yeah. Um, I just recorded with Soren last night and he was like, this will probably come out in about a year. I was like, okay. <laughs> really? really? <laughs> yeah. Wow.
1: Man, that's crazy that he has so many, so many of those lined up. Maybe um, you should put him out like twice a month. I know. I think he should also. <laughs> <laughs> Write to Soren Johnson
0: on Twitter and tell him.
1: <laughs> um, the So like, the, he was talking about what went right and wrong in the in the development of the game. And a lot of it was sort of stuff that, you know, like typical post-mortem kind of stuff and it was interesting uh the thing that was crazy that i didn't know about because i didn't uh play the game that much in early access or or if i did i didn't play it at the time that this thing was erupting uh they had a mechanic that they launched in early access as part of a content update like their first big actual content update that added corpses to the game in a way such that like the combat in the game is on it is on is 2d, so it's your party, all four of the members lined up versus the opposing party lined up and they're all side to side. so like the members of your party closest to one another are like the melee attacks and then the ranks behind them can do range Can attacks do various so, range yeah. yeah and so there was this dominant strategy that uh, he was explaining that in the community that was just players would always focus fire entirely on the first enemy. Because then you'd knock out like their melee character, and then it would put a ranged character into the melee position, and they're going to be less effective. And it was just this completely dominant strategy that kind of made the game a lot less unpredictable, which was, you know, the game is supposed to be unpredictable and sort of weird and punishing. And so they added a mechanic that when you kill an enemy, instead of just instantly disappearing and then moving the other enemies up in ranks, it would replace the enemy with just a corpse and the corpse would just hang around for a while. So you can wait for the corpse to disappear after several turns, or you can dedicate some like attacks to getting rid of it anyway. So they launched this thing and basically their entire community revolted in just like a, a totally insane and like, utterly dominating and overpowering way um, about this corpse thing that people just absolutely despised or enough people despised to like represent essentially like what seemed like well, just yeah. an army of people were you aware of this I, well or? i was
3: no i was there for that like oh, okay, the yeah, talk, yeah. And it, it, it seemed like the thing that he was trying to describe was it's not so much that the entire community came to that conclusion on their own but then oh, yeah, a vocal yeah. minority came to that conclusion, and then that just became the narrative because people right. would say, "Like I heard this game isn't just good got anymore." Ruined. I heard they just. Where'd you hear the that? Game. I don't know. I like, yeah, I just heard it. Oof, uh, that's yeah. the way I feel like, about this game now. He had and, he, yeah.
1: yeah. He had a link. He had a a quote from a website that he didn't like. He didn't name. I don't think. But in like July of I guess last it must have been last year, um, yeah. they posted something that was like it was like one of their top. 50 games of something or other and the darkest dungeon was on it and it was the only early access game on it and in the, the blurb was like it's telling that this is the only early access game on this list like incredibly promising incredibly accomplished game like already setting a high bar or whatever and then he had a blurb from them from the next month like august and it was like sad to see the fate of this this the sad fate of this game ruined like once so promising now like this is how it ends. And he's like, oh my god, <laughs> we're still in early access. Like, what? Is, like, holy shit! Um, it was crushing. Like, he, watching him just like link all of these uh, paragraphs and these forum posts and just reactions and then the sort of like secondhand reactions. Of like, oh yeah, that's that game that I just apparently got totally ruined. Like, oh, that sucks. Um, it was it was insane. Jesus. Well, yeah.
3: his, his conclusion wasn't that you shouldn't put your game on early access, but it was that you shouldn't like materially fuck with your game design at the point of, after which you put it on early access. Yeah, he's I, a, yeah his mean,
1: argument was, yeah, I have mixed feelings about his conclusion. That's, that that, that yeah, yeah, sucks, I felt, though, I felt like, the same way. Wow. I felt, because, well,
3: I mean, you know, he, he was just saying, like, you know, I thought that's what this was for. You, yeah, you experiment yeah. with the game design while it's still in early access, and it's basically a beta test, but... His right, conclusion he, was, don't do that well, because the, the, people will so, destroy you. But. The most
1: interesting observation he made about that... <laughs> you which, might get owned yourself. Fun. Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> I, yeah, I have, I'm very ambivalent about it because on the one hand, it seems like that's the point of early access. He also made the point that I, that was really good, though. That was made very concisely, which was, despite the fact that it's an early access, people paid money for the game and then you can change it into something that is not the game that they paid for anymore. And that was a really powerful sentence. Like, I had never heard it framed in exactly that that way. Um, But but he also, you get the sense that there was kind of like a Stockholm Syndrome thing going on Mm -hmm. where his conclusion, like, part of his conclusion was like, and you have to acquiesce to, like... The thing that won't make your life a hell. So did he end up taking corpses him. back out? I just they ultimately I just played it. with it. I just yeah. played
2: it like for the first time, maybe a couple weeks ago or a few weeks ago, and they were totally in.
1: Yeah, there were other features he mentioned that they like made optional because of feedback, which also like is kind of a bummer. Um, if they're you know like you'd think you'd want to design the game such that it should be at its best with the thing there or not there, but right. like um, but yeah, they eventually like it sounds like it all sort of got. He was actually quite shocked. He asked the crowd, you know, presumably many of whom in the crowd have played the game. He's like, so how many of you know about, like, the corpse controversy? And only a few people raised their hand. And he was, like, totally yeah. surprised. Did
3: I he know. ask how, he ask how many played the game? I hadn't heard of it either. I'm not hardcore. The, well, well, he m- asked how many people played the game and
0: then would never play it again. <laughs> no, I mean, so <laughs> which was amusing, the question but that but he should have asked is like, how many of you have played right. Darkest Dungeon? Yeah. How many of you knew about this corpse thing or care about it as a right. person who played right. it? And it would Yeah, have been he like, should have asked all
1: those questions. You're yeah, right. yeah. I imagine a decent number of people in the room had played the game because they chose to go to a postmortem about yeah. it. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I could be wrong, but I mean, I don't know. That's why I went to yeah. it because I thought it was a, I thought it was a really int- the good game that was really well scoped and really smart. And the the postmortem totally confirmed like my suspicions about their attitude in developing it. Like he, a lot of it was about just being really ruthless about what to actually dedicate design resources to and what not to, and like that. You know, it really. I think just the made it clear that that game was totally intentionally the way it was and the things that were good about it were really like achieved well. Cool. You know, I, but anyway, yeah. like that, well,
0: as a paying GDC customer, I really wish that he would have done the survey the way that I liked. <laughs> <what> I <said. laughs> yeah, it was that, that was a harrowing yeah, you know, that's, section that's of that rough. talk. It was
1: really hard. I was also, well, just, I was also sitting there. I was, I was watching it with Chris Hecker who's making spy party uh, and he was basically like having a heart attack during <laughs> during that section because he's making a multiplayer game um, that is not yet on Steam early access. It's on his own, like, personal. It's just sold early through the Spy Party store, thing. basically, right? Yeah. 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 Um, so yeah. You know. it's got
3: to be really hard to make a game that. I mean, he was talking about like the way that they approach balance, which is that they didn't really try to balance the game yeah which i thought which is great which is a great deliberate choice to make but then the flip side of that is that when you have feedback coming back to you how do you how do you like (laughs) wait what what one person is saying about like the way that they feel about the game right like that's such a that's like a i mean i understand like how you can kind of approach that but it's still like a nightmare thinking about the process of having to like deal with somebody saying like this game is horrible i hate it but then also that's kind of your intention is to make some people hate it so then
1: oh yeah because right i mean like one of the big things he said was like we we knew we were making a game that wasn't going to appeal to everyone and so like yeah how do you differentiate between yeah this is just not who the game is for and this is actually maybe who the game is for and it's just not working on them
0: yeah right? it, is, it is really tough to look at like when that corpse thing gets added and the community that you current have, a subset of it, gets really upset, then you have to decide, okay, am I making Darkest Dungeon just for these people? Yep. Yeah. Is yeah. that who it's for now? Am I gonna just optimize the game towards those people who complained? Or yeah. am I on early access and planning to release because I think there are a bunch of people later who are not gonna give a shit and I'm gonna have to make these people mad and keep going?
1: Or has
0: the communication just fucked me forever. Yeah. Right. Another
1: thing he another point he made, which I think is really important and valuable, is that when they first put the corpse thing in, it was like probably not minimum viable, but probably not far past minimum viable. So like there was only one corpse. There wasn't like there weren't different corpses for all the different enemy types right. and stuff. And so, it, to some extent, it probably felt like a cheaper version of what it was intended to be. But yep. it was, like, early access. So, you know, you try things. But, like, nope. If your game, like, presents as, like, a complete game that people already know how it's supposed to feel or how they think it's supposed to feel then they're they're gonna probably be less charitable to something that doesn't seem like yep. it's up to that standard. It
0: seems like a lot of early access games that have an audience deliberately like go out of their way very far to post a roadmap so that the so that people aren't blindsided by yeah. like so that you don't just go, oh I had a crazy idea and I changed the game as as opposed to like listing a thing You know, like three page heights down a list of intended features, so that your community kind of hopes for it. That said, obviously you can't think of everything. Well, also
1: that that like that assumes that you're not. So that that obvious that sort of like precludes one of the at least theoretical purposes of early access is to. Find out respond. what the things are that you didn't think yep. of already. Well,
0: maybe this should be like you know how when you apply for a job at a large professional company, they make you disclaim any prior inventions that you've made, and there is a certain type of person who will just write down four things that just sound like vague descriptions or something, <laughs> so <laughs> they that can, they can't, they can make them later <laughs> and not get sued by their employer. Yeah. Maybe it just need to be like. Character resuscitation feature, right. and then like you don't know what that is, yeah. whether what that could ever mean. But your community is like, I wonder when that's going to come up, or just yeah. like invent sort of just weird f- w- uh, feature equivalent of just arbitrary widget so, names. That mutators.
1: Part of me thinks you're ju- you're just creating even more night- uh, headaches for yeah. yourself because you're then going to have the the, the group. Like, of when's people, that going to show up? i going to have the people who never read anything in the first place because most people just like don't yeah, read yeah, stuff, gonna read and then that. they're going to be blindsided. then you is. have the other people who do read everything and spend six months imagining what their perfect version of that feature is and then somehow just like working it into their working model of like what it's yeah. going to be for oh, real but then there's and one then guy
0: who just goes well I don't know what any of you are talking about this was in the documentation for months <laughs> yeah, you get that guy and then he's yeah. the best yeah, <laughs> man, even man. though he's also wrong and you feel bad
1: <laughs> yeah he's
3: a anyway. good guy though yeah a he's a good, good guy, good
0: guy well. ad, yeah early access featureless defender <laughs> yeah <laughs> That's also one of the ones you list. Right? <laughs> right. <laughs> featureless Defender? Yeah, he shows up.
1: I guess it is actually that. That is what a corpse is in this game. It's a featureless Defender. Yes. It just sits there taking hits, doing nothing.
0: Poor guy.
2: Yeah. Ruining the game.
1: <laughs> I think we should take a break. Yeah.
2: Oh. What? Yeah. Steve? It's a shame that game got ruined, though.
1: Video game. This episode of Idle Thumbs is brought to you by MIT Press. MIT Press uh, has a whole line of books about video games, sort of video game design, critical thinking about video game called Playful Thinking. Uh, There are books by a number of authors, including Catherine Isbister, uh, Miguel Seekert, Greg Kostikian, longtime video game designer, um, and Jesper Yule (laughs) or Jesper Jewell. I feel like I've known that guy's name for a long time and I don't know which way it's pronounced. It's
2: actually Jesper Jewel.
1: Oh, is it Jesper Jewel? It's not Jesper Yule. No, it's it's neither, Jasper Jewel. It's none of
0: these things.
1: <laughs> it's none of these things. Anyway, uh, Jesper Yule, perhaps, uh, wrote a book called The Art of Failure, an essay on the pain of playing video games, and it is basically a, it's essentially an extended essay about how video games force players to continually confront their own failure, and why that is compelling, and why that, that why that's something that people are drawn to? Even though very frequently, when you watch people play video games, they like don't have like to frustration. Get owned. And yes, exactly, <laughs> don't like to get owned. In Steve's case, uh, why people who aren't Steve en- enjoy <laughs> that? Um, if you go to mitpress dot slash idle thumbs, you will find a whole rundown of all of these books. There are about half a dozen of them so far. It's an ongoing series. Um, And they're about all different aspects of game design and aesthetics and sort of emotion and all kinds of other things that go into video games. Yeah, what are some
2: of the other titles that were on there?
1: Uh, Other titles include How Games Move Us, Emotion by Design by Catherine Isbister uncertainty in games by greg kastikian Yeah, that one seems like
2: it would be an interesting I, yeah, topic to i think into. so too
1: it's about how uncertainty in games from super mario brothers to rock paper scissors uh, engages players and shapes play experiences all of these things seem relevant to the last discussion we had <laughs> actually um so yeah if you go to mitpress.com slash idle thumbs you can uh, read more about those books and all the other ones.
0: This is series. really worth going to just for the thrill of typing MIT dot com slash idle thumbs into your web browser. Yep.
2: Video game.
0: Other people that wrote things. <laughs> yes, uh, yes, for <laughs> you. Yes, for you. Yes, for you. And
2: his brother, Jesper Jewell. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I mean,
0: Jesper Jewell, game researcher.
1: Nice. Is that a person or is that a computer? Couldn't tell you. Because if that's a computer, that I don't trust it. I don't trust it, That, was I
0: trust it
2: that absolutely was. Well I,
1: don't, well, I don't believe that it's true. Thanks, MIT Press. MITPress.com slash idle thumbs. Jesper Video game. This episode of Idle Thumbs is also brought to you by Harry's. Harry's sends razors and shaving equipment to your door. Whether it's a door of an office or a
2: house, well, they send it to a PO box.
0: A lot of PO boxes uh, actually. The post office will accept deliveries now, and you can request a mailing address that formats like a street address for your PO box.
1: Oh, that's cool. So we'll
0: take try that. that then. Yeah, yeah. Right.
1: yeah. Anyway, uh, Harry's will send mm-hmm. high quality shaving equipment to probably most addresses. And uh, Steve, we care yeah. about this. Yep, they have a new blade handle design Ooh. that I just got today. That is like a, a rubber grip. <sighs> Ooh, it's, it's like on blade. It's very on blade. Oh, yeah. Yes. Um, Harry's stuff is really cool. I've been using it for a while now. Um, they have two different like shape. They have a shave cream and a shave gel, depending on which one you like. Um, they have the like little aftershave thing. They've got the blades. They've got the razor. It all can just come in a recurring order. You can set up. You can either order stuff just case by case or as a recurring thing. And it just shows up to your house It is really cool. Removes hair from a face. So It's all true, Chris. I mean, probably other places too, but I've mainly used it on a face. (laughs) I've exclusively used it on a face.
0: (laughs) I would like to amend my statement.
1: (laughs) (laughs) If you go to harrys.com and use the promo code THUMBS, you will get $5 off your first order, which means you can get their whole starter kit that comes with... The razor that comes with the blades and the like cream or gel for only ten bucks, which is pretty tough to beat. So uh yeah. Harry's.com dot com and the promo code thumbs. Video games. I just remember <laughs> the dream that I had about idle thumbs. Oh, oh man. Yeah, it's not, this
3: is not an extensive memory though. I I fucked up. Did you up. write I didn't, it down? I didn't, a I, didn't, I didn't write enough. Oh. But I just the short short form is that we did an idle thumbs episode I'm pretty sure the dream was an entire episode's worth of content I'm having like really long like just like 60 minute detailed dreams lately so I think we basically had an entire episode but essentially at some point in the middle of the episode I fucked up like I just did something stupid, and Jake got really mad at me, <laughs> like looked really mad. Oh, and he just no. walked over, like you were there, like where you normally sit, and hey, I was hey. sitting here, uh-huh, And then you <laughs> And then you just you just got straight up, just walked right up and got in my face. And I was like, what? What? It's just a podcast. And you just took your hands. And you know, like, in the Terminator or, like, any of those, like, <laughs> 80s movies where, like, somebody will just, like, thrust their... They'll just grab, like, like a, just, like, a claw. They'll turn their hand into a claw and just, like, <laughs> dig it into your chest. And you can see the skin just start to, like, pull off of the chest. You know? And, like, there's, like, the endoskeleton underneath. Right. but then, like, the, the skin's just, like, tearing. You, you did that to me and then just lifted me up in the air. <laughs> oh, my
0: God. And then that was the endoskeleton. Of the dream, I woke up and just was like, "Oh, I'm sorry, oh, Jake. man. That I'm was sorry. that was right what before I was gonna say an amazing one-liner." You, <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. You yeah, it up. No, I deprived yeah. Jake of that. Yeah, I know. Well, that's can, the whole point of doing all
1: that stuff in the '80s movies, so you can follow it up. Yeah. yeah, you know.
3: I know. You probably said it. I just forgot.
1: With like you know, you should have, you should have had a a cutting barb or something in the, yeah. you know, on the podcast.
2: But oh well. You I'm, need need a lift. <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's it. That's, a, that's, I, like, I, that's I don't a, know. Yeah, that's I don't that's know. Yeah. yeah, what do you? There's got to be something. No one's coming up with it right now, though, so yeah. it's okay. Yeah.
1: Anyway, <sighs> we'll be deluged with more clever things than we could. Think yeah. Of, yeah. What yeah. What it's,
0: should I have it. said to Nick Brecken when? Yeah. Picking him up by his skin. Get a grip. I kind of just said, "All right, yeah." Well, is that good? I think if Nick had like incredulously said, "Get a grip," to me because I was behaving <laughs> irrationally when I walked over to him, and then I picked him up and said, "You get a grip." Right, <laughs> and then threw him through both walls. Right, right. It, you no, that
3: is the, the that's the that Simpson wall. scene you just described. It's like, get a grip! I got
0: it. I got you know, it like, yeah, you <laughs> are gripped. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, you are the one who is gripped. <laughs> and then, yeah, you just go through the corner of the office. Yep. Yeah, it's
3: more NBA. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, you, I don't know what,
1: why. What part? I mean, I guess you just played game like normal game. I was just the my guy,
3: guy, my guy yeah. that looks like me. The only thing I learned is that I hate myself. <laughs>
1: <laughs> we already learned that in Stardew Valley. last Well, that's week. true,
3: but but specifically, my guy is now good enough that because he looks like me and because they're attaching like like anim- so, like I score now like sixty points in a game, which is just I'm just like setting records. Like I'm the I'm the the greatest basketball player that's ever existed, and. Then, like, after my guy will, like, score a point, he'll, like, do, like, stupid dances and just go, like, Hey, sure, I, I told you! And, you know, just have, like, he just has all these, like, non just, like, stupid one-liners. Like, yeah. just, like, not even, not even myself. Like, Did you have to record
0: them yourself with a microphone?
3: <laughs> <laughs> no, they're just subbed in, and they're all just, they're just terrible. They just make my guy look like a real douche. And it made me realize that I hate my guy. Like, I hate this person, and I right. hate the fact... And it it actually made me think, like, it would be really interesting if more games had character creation that was close, that could get you close enough to looking like yourself, and then the way that that would, like, make people feel about the things that their characters are doing. Because it actually, like, for a second, I realized, like, God, if I actually was a guy who played basketball and behaved like this... I would be like a terrible like this is like ter- this is awful like like and if it was just like a basketball player that was just given to me right. like auto generated I would have just completely yeah i been like oh, it, and been, like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah whatever yeah, yeah, it yeah. Sucks. I would have been, I thought about it twice but like if you're like playing GTA and your guy looks exactly like you and then you shoot a person I think that would just yeah. like blow your mind like I think you would feel like really well, shitty do in a way are that that game kind for the- of but like
2: not yeah. this if is you're set up so- right yes some people would be like <gasps> yeah well yeah Like, the bad side
3: of it right yeah there is that there is that there is that side to it but like this this thing is like so uncanny valley like really like it's getting really close yeah but it made me realize like oh man the second this actually is like if this was every game you would, ugh, would <laughs> <laughs> you're like oh it was fine when mario did it but yeah. now that it's me yeah <laughs> anyway so that's that was my that was that's the last thing i, I did i, I, if did yeah. we'll I just stopped find i find
2: a game that doesn't that the takeaway isn't that it reminds him how much he hates himself. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, but then you know, then I just kind of then I go back again, and I, I, I love myself, right? I have to I have to accept what I am. Sure, there's yeah. a whole cycle that goes okay. on, and then I lean into it. Sounds healthy. It's fine. Good. Yeah, yeah, there's probably
1: some like Greek word that describes this cycle that you find yourself in Stupid. constantly. <laughs> <laughs> like... Anyway,
3: that's a reader mail, Chris. Uh, <laughs> like we out of content.
1: Yeah, so. <laughs> Um, Mike Cohen writes, <clears throat> considering how much you love Mr. DNA, his return is imminent. How oh. would be thy clippy like DNA strand? And then he links an article um, that suggests that a recently unearthed T. Rex skeleton may, in fact, may include dino DNA. Sick. What does yes. that have to
0: do with Mr. DNA? I mean, aside from the word dino DNA. Yeah, I don't know what it has to
1: do with Mr. DNA specifically, but it's definitely like this combined with... I
3: thought it was impossible. I thought they determined that the half-life of DNA means that it's it's like 10,000 years, so at that point, the curve Um, just means there's no way that we can recover Well, it's full of holes. Oh, and you fill them. (laughs) You complete the code. (laughs) Hmm. It's stuck in the sap. I guess that person's right. They're right all along.
0: Yeah, they were. They knew what it was.
1: This T-Rex, which was found in Montana and dates to 68 million years ago, retained uh, medullary bone that reveals the individual is pregnant. Uh, Medullary bone, I don't know how to pronounce that, is only present in female living dinosaurs, i.e. birds, just before and during egg laying. It's this type of bone that could retain preserved DNA. It says this is a very unlikely find, but they think it may be the case. Wow. But
3: is it like a cool dinosaur or is it just like a shitty one? You know, like, it, you know, it's a like, T-Rex. What do you mean? Oh, it's a T-Rex? Oh, yeah. I, didn't, I didn't catch that part. Oh, yeah. They have a T-Rex. <laughs> all right. Oh, we have a T-Rex.
1: <laughs> yeah.
2: So you have a T-Rex? Mm-hmm. Is it a T-Rex?
1: Also, this article taught me that crocodiles are the closest living relatives of dinosaurs. Yeah. I didn't true. know that. That sounds like that's like the most boring reveal of all time. Oh, that big scaly tooth monster is a dinosaur. <laughs> well, just like, because ever since Jurassic Park, I feel like ber- birds yeah. have just like taken over the... Public imagination of dinosaurs for good reason, right? But like, I just never didn't. Nope. Dinosaurs
0: are the cr- crocodiles. They're the missing link between a bird and a crocodile. A dinosaur. <laughs> yep. If you did like a
2: morph, if you did the if you did yeah. the little silhouettes of the evolution of man, go from a bird crocodile. to a crocodile, a bird <laughs> yeah. to a dinosaur, to
3: a baby dinosaur. <laughs>
1: It's actually the other way around. It, the dinosaurs did lead to birds. It says this article points out that birds inherited egg laying from dinosaurs, which must have inherited egg laying from whatever preceded them.
3: Oh, crocodiles.
1: <laughs>
2: that was when a crocodile got stuck in the sand.
1: Croco DNA. Not tra- <laughs> Nicholas Meal writes Nick's description of his Stardew Valley experience sounds like he was role playing a textbook case of severe clinical depression. <laughs>
2: End of email. <laughs> <laughs> uh, listen to that genuine laughter <laughs> yeah it's like he means it it's like the mozart uh, laughter from yeah Alabama. right yeah
0: <laughs>
1: yeah <laughs> Evan writes, hey Thumbs, last week you were talking about how you can't embed MIDI files in web pages anymore. I struggled with the same problem and found a workaround.
0: (laughs) Good email, (laughs)
1: yes! You can embed a YouTube video on loop and set it to autoplay, as seen on my website www.skeleton.zone. Sadly, (laughs) iOS does not allow autoplay, but it works well for desktop browsers. Thanks and keep up the great work, Evan. 100% Hundred percent approved. That's just yeah. the beginning of an infomercial. Yeah. I, I struggle in I don't know. You're not going to find out on that phone, though. I guess you could play the video. We'll just see. Yeah, it makes sense that it only works on desktops. You need if you're going to have that old shitty 90s. Web I you an Android phone want a big
0: monitor to be an Android phone's going to play the shit out of that YouTube video because maybe it's got some monetizable content.
1: That's probably true. <clears throat> I guess Steve could maybe find that out right now. I'm trying.
0: Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> There you go. Wow. All right. Enter the skeleton zone. I live inside it every
2: day. <laughs> that didn't sound like a MIDI to me. No. 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 You'd have, to, you'd
1: have to render the MIDI and then well, yeah, put it, it on a just, YouTube video. Yeah, it would just or, be a
2: YouTube of a MIDI.
1: Um, let's see. So, uh, John Lakey writes, Howdy Thumbs, love the podcast. I'm writing about a topic I don't hear you or anyone else address. I'm a programmer, and sometimes when I reach a certain level of frustration in a video game, instead of going online to look up an answer or find a cheat, I'll open the game up, find where the code is easiest to break, and fiddle with it until I've beaten the game or done something cool or hilarious or impossible or become bored. This can be anything from decoding and rewriting old-school save files to overwriting the game's code to accomplish almost anything. I keep it to single-player games. It's just my own joy in tinkering. More recently, I decided to play Super Hexagon and wasn't very good at it. However, I figured writing a bot to play the game would be fun, and so I did, and it was. On not-cheating mode, it can go about 90 seconds. With cheating, it can go much, much longer. Have you ever tinkered with games like this? Thanks, John from Maryland. Um, P.S. The text in the video is not purely decorative. Uh, their debug prints showing the path the cursor has chosen to take. PPS, shout out to github.com slash darkman, who created the foundations of the bot. Hmm. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I've never done that because I don't have that skill set.
2: Yep. Yeah. I mean, I guess do. I could like
1: modify config files and f- right. save files if they're in a text format. Yeah. But, I've edited yeah.
2: some like variables in like civ two or something. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. You know, stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean that, that does seem cool. Like just see, basically using a tool-assisted uh, method of right. seeing how far you could go, or something could go with Super Hexagon. So here yeah. I'm just watching a computer play Super
1: Hexagon right now, and uh, it's not not that crazy yet because it's still in the part of the game that I, as a human, can play. Yeah. But I assume that much like the go the go winning robot, uh, it will it will just destroy us all eventually, like physically in the world.
0: It's super hexagon <laughs> skills will evolve. Yeah.
1: The thing that the that the reader described reminds me of the, like, do you guys
2: remember the era of trainers? Mm-hmm.
0: Yes. And, like, yes. Diablo, Diablo and games Trailer. like that? Yeah. 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 You
1: would, yeah. You you would 1. download 01. A, a
2: DOS executable. Ugh. Oh. Good.
1: Yeah. And then you'd make your guy super powerful. Yep. Yeah. I don't feel like that's as much of a thing anymore. Wait, it was. It, it called recently. itself a trainer, really? but recently? it was actually just yeah. a stat modifier. Oh man, no. did you not know trainers? Wow. I didn't play Diablo. I guess yeah. you didn't play well, the kinds of games that Diablo, trainers would I mean, have. Yeah. Are, I know, but those, those probably just there. weren't Jake's deal. I would guess.
2: I think that train. I would have assumed that trainers would have been one of Jake's more favorite things from the eighties. Yeah, I think and if 90s. he was aware
1: of them, they would be.
2: Yeah. They were Did just they like, like look cool? I don't. No, you. It, no. Was,
0: it was basically in the DOS era, and it would it would be like when you. I didn't really like cheating in any way in video games. Like I liked modifying games to make them weird, but I had, like just the idea of. I would maybe like the way that you could make a, a game weird with a game genie, I'd be interested in a trainer that's pretty much i mean a lot of I mean like, their intent was probably just to like immediately make your dude ripped like yeah. to just give you, you all, would just the, be like, all the stuff
2: master level, but like there were some games I don't know I think that like there were some games where they were just really fucking hard, and I couldn't get farther in them, and'd be like, download the trainer, now you have a million health, okay
1: mm. yeah, I think I only ever did that in games like SimCity. Like I would use, I would just type mm-hmm. in the cheat, right? Yeah, like, like shift if fund, would, yeah. yeah, yeah. I don't think I ever, I was aware of and like had downloaded like a Diablo trainer, but I just remember feeling like this just makes the game pointless, and so I just
0: yeah. didn't. Especially in a game like Diablo. The only yeah. game that I had the code to was Q Basic Gorillas, and I definitely <laughs> fucked up <laughs> yes. that game. Oh man! But that's uh, you yeah. know everyone should fuck up oh, Q yeah. Basic that's Gorillas. The first game in I your ever life. played. Yeah, but then you can make the banana DOS explode huge. Yeah. Yeah,
2: I I was from that reader mail. I was just surprised. I feel like so many games are like so locked down that yeah. it would be it mm-hmm. would at least take a lot of jumping through hoops to get to a point where you could even modify code or have the save game display in a readable format or yeah. whatever. But I mean, I guess if you're like a skilled programmer, sure. you could write stuff to decode that kind of stuff. But mm-hmm. no, I think we well, are people all have and like decompilers that. and stuff. Yeah.
1: Like the a, a really crazy thing that happened after. Uh, development on Space Base DF9 at Double Fine stopped. Was that I don't know if this is like how much has been done on this recently, but like I forget if we talked about this on the podcast, we did ever, a little but, bit, yeah. yeah like the, a, a subsection of the community just continued developing that game, yeah, which was a totally like crazy thing. That was really cool.
2: But you also, re- I mean, when development ended, they released source code for it right mm-hmm. or they made it open source? some mm-hmm. some of it okay. just
1: just the lewis scripting not the okay. not the like not the
2: engine code yeah. right yeah. well right
1: yeah there was some of the engine was open source and then some of it was not yeah um anyway yeah that's what it was cool i guess we don't have a lot to say about that because none of us are that Those kind cool. of programmer. I remember do that, when people would do
2: that kind of shit uh, in online games in the 90s. I have a specific memory of playing Interstate 76 over 56k uh, dial-up, and you would play, and you'd be like, "Oh, I've like got my car. I'm going to do some deathmatch car battles." And then there would just be somebody that had just used a hex editor to like <sighs> attach a giant tank body to their car and like 20 <laughs> turrets that fired missiles simultaneously, and you would just. They just drive around and delete everyone, and you're like, cool, great, (laughs) video (laughs) games show are fun. Uh, But the version of that that I did and enjoyed is... uh in the, so in the in Grand
0: Theft Auto 5 yeah, one time I, I found this guy I, knew you were say I that was that like dressed I'll, as a clone of him with pink hair and sort of blowing him up and stealing all his money I just climbed on his back and started stroking his neck just stroking it
2: <laughs> over and over again uh, no I uh, in, in Interstate 76 all of the like anything that was not like uh, a missile or the terrain was a vehicle so there, there were armadillos that were just like going through the desert but technically they were AI vehicles and so if you used like whatever hack for the game you could go online and choose your car as the armadillo and then you could just be driving it around but the hack that I used made it have like super high armor and drive super fast so you're just a tiny little armadillo and you just go and just like t-bone a car and it would just explode (laughs) uh so I guess sometimes it is fun to cheat online
0: yeah (laughs) well Fair enough. Um, Eli Only c- if you're a Superfast Armadillo.
2: Superfast Armadillo is a very promising new uh, indie studio that's up in <laughs> Toronto, I think.
0: <laughs> yeah, they're like a, a turbine spinoff. Mm. I don't know. That's just a company that seems like some, something called Superfast Armadillo would come out of. Yeah, probably, <laughs> although they're in Massachusetts. I know, but they... well Or somewhere. They are in Massachusetts.
2: Yeah.
1: yeah. Eli Kaplow writes... Your talk about crossword plagiarism interested me since my father is a professional crossword puzzle maker. Holy shit. It makes sense that the New York Times almost never gets plagiarized since they pay a lot more than other publishers and nobody wants to be blackballed by them. My dad would send to them first and only if it was rejected would he send to the LA Times. This would continue down the line until he got to a smaller publisher like Simon & Schuster where it would go into a big uh, puzzle book. The talk about Bridge reminded me of a great card game called Teach You. It's similar in that you can't talk to your partner about what's in your hand, but it gives you a few tools to tell them that you have a good hand or even an awesome hand. In the game, you can call Teach You, where you bet 100 points that you'll go out first. There's also a Grand Teach You, where you bet 200 points before you can even see all your cards. Thanks for having a great podcast, Eli. P.S. My dad sent puzzles to Tim Parker in the past, but he almost never answered emails and rejected all of his submissions. That's the guy who's been called out for all the plagiarism.
3: He didn't need him.
0: That guy should uh that guy We've got plenty yeah, of, yeah, of crossword. That guy's that guy's dad should makers. search the database of crossword puzzles from that guy oh, and see if oh, they oh, were ex- see if they were rejected after all. Oh, oh man. Amen. God you're right. Oh he totally should. That's actually
2: extremely true. <laughs> <laughs> I don't need these. I have Soft photocopied rejection. them. Yeah. <laughs> yep. I have sixty people sending me <laughs> puzzles every week. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: Ooh, oh gross <laughs>
0: um well now that we've uncovered yet another avenue of this crossword scandal
2: mm-hmm. now that we followed the money one step further
0: just the same guy it's yeah it's it's fine <laughs> I don't, I don't What's know. What's up, Nick? Up. Hmm? Thinking about stuff over there? Hmm. You, uh, you doing all right? Feeling pretty good? Yeah?
1: <laughs> <laughs> got any What's more? on your mind, Nick? I got, I, nothing. Huh. <laughs> okay. Sorry, I have another email. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah, we should probably wait longer for you to start reading it. I agree with that. Oh,
0: God.
1: Right. Um, sorry. Nathan Ratcliffe writes, Hey, Thumbs. Been listening since version 1.0. Never got in touch beyond the occasional tweet, but maybe you can satisfy my curiosity on something. I can't remember if I've read this email before, so if I have, just <laughs> Well, if he it.
0: says, what is game? Yes, you've read this before. <laughs>
1: I've heard that developers learn about what went right and wrong with their games and implement these lessons in future titles. How do they collect this feedback? Is it anecdotal or data-driven? I imagine a combination of both and collected via monitoring people's opinions like consultancy, playtest reviews, and forum chatter. But now everything is potentially online, so how much telemetry is available in modern game engines? How much weight is placed on these forms of feedback? Obviously it will vary from game to game and company to company, but I'd love to hear the broad strokes if you care to share. Thanks, Nason and Warwickshire UK so in um, God, I feel like I've read this before but it doesn't matter because Steve Gaynor other
2: game developers here now in Assassin's Creed Black Flag Black, was, so was it Black Flag was the one where you where you were, like it. played the first person QA guy yeah that was the first one where you... or that, That's the oh, only yeah. one where you did that, right? Yeah, yeah. So... you,
1: you was... Well, maybe first person, but there was third person QA guy in other games, weren't there?
2: No, the, that guy was like... No, he wasn't QA guy. No, he was, he was guy, just third right? person. He was like a hero yeah. guy or something, whatever, he was like... He was still like a boring guy. Right, right but he was like... The, he was a... <laughs> still had a shitty job. <laughs> he, well, he was like the descendant of the Assassins in modern times. In Assassin's Creed Black Flag, it was just you were somebody who you were signing in for your first day working at Ubisoft as yes. a tester. Um and so the, the the framing narrative of the game was like, okay, play a mission, and it's you testing out this software and like giving your feedback on it. And so when you would finish an Assassin's Creed mission, they would do a thing that was like, how did you like the mission? Rate it one to five stars. And I was like, that's funny. You know, like, you're the guy, it's the thing. Um, and then I, I was at GDC last year, actually, and I was talking to somebody from... Uh, from Ubisoft, and he was like, "Oh yeah, I worked on that series. You know, there's there's all this you know user testing that we do. We bring in focus tests and like you know there, there was all this this stuff that we did. And, I, and for so long, I was like, we need to let players when they buy the game rate the missions so that we know whether they like them or not. And then later on, we can like make those take those missions out or change them or whatever. So I was like, wait, that was real. <laughs> he was like, yeah. I was like that wasn't just cuz you were playing as a qa oh, you just a- assumed oh okay yeah and he was like no right. no we took that yeah we used that and in <laughs> the, in in the new game it's like all the designers would be like oh this kind of mission nobody likes that and then it was like yep everybody rated it one star i'm like oh my god are you <laughs> like i was i was amazed that yeah, like that's really crazy that, it's, that it was that straightforward and then in uh fucking uh syndicate there isn't that whole framing narrative of being somebody that works there, but you still can just rate every mission. Yeah, of course. <laughs> just cause. Yeah. Uh, so that's one way <laughs> that
0: companies. Uh, yeah, I mean the, that data. the sort of public metrics that they show or don't you? Like when I worked at Telltale Games for a long time, uh, the last few games that I worked on and some of the ones you worked on there, Nick, I'm sure were games where players were shown their choices at the end of the game, and that data also obviously is internal as well as a bunch more stuff. So I mean, there is a lot of I suspect that there's a lot of telemetry data that is stored yeah. by companies that you never see as a player, but it is yeah. always really interesting to me when games do show it, like the yeah. Telltale game stats or the Assassin's Creed things, or like God Alien Swarm, that game that Valve put out that people oh, played yeah. for like
1: three weeks. Wasn't that a mod game?
0: It started like off a- as a mod, and then that team was just inside Valve, and I guess they said we just right, we right. did it. Can we just put it out? Um, but at the it was a multiplayer top down game. Yeah, I think it was think.
1: like. It was yeah. like um, um, like Crusader or something. It
0: was like a top-down 360-degree shooting Yeah, thing, but you know. at the end of it, it would show your team's stats and, like, heat maps of deaths and all sorts of crazy figures. Mm, that's right. And it was really cool to see all that mm-hmm. stuff, and it made me also think this is probably... That means this game is just the t- secretly the test bed for a bunch of Valve reporting tools, uh, because... Yeah, they have all yeah. that
2: data for every Dota match now or whatever. Yeah, I'm like, like sure. Valve keeps yeah. all that
0: stuff. Yeah,
1: um, yeah. I don't know. I mean, there's like big different categories. I mean, there are a lot of different categories, obviously, of sort of testing things and player feedback. But like there are definitely sort of hard feedback of I liked this or I didn't like this or like this part was hard. And whether it's self report or not, it's like we can tell that the player died. Um, but then there's other things that are just really soft and fuzzy because there's no discrete input for them. It's just like... Like what's an example? Uh, So like conversations... Um, in a game where the choice is not like ex- made explicit to the player, you're just going through a conversation. I guess you, could, I guess you could test things like how many players see this like branch of the conversation and then infer like from that that this one was less popular or something. But you don't necessarily know how they actually felt as a result of getting the thing. Like it might not be bad that not as play- many players did a thing. Yes. If the reason they did they didn't do it is because they were like connected to the story. Like a lot of data you can get. But it's not necessarily you, obvious you like, how, you should, yeah, yeah. how you should interpret the data.
2: I mean, sometimes even stuff as, like, chunky and publicly available as just, like, achievement stats is at least interesting and useful. Like, you yep. can, you can, if, if it's like, oh, everybody got the achievement, like, 80% of people got the achievement for finishing Act 3 and then 20% of people got the achievement oh, yeah. for finishing Act 4, you're like, okay, sure, well, yeah, for sure. uh, you know. Um, and well, because
1: that, that represents an implied
2: failure state, basically. Right. Yeah, yeah, or just I. that's where people stopped caring or gave up or whatever. Right, I'm yeah. including that in yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, you mean <laughs> yeah. fa- development yeah. failure, <laughs> yes, not yes. like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. so I think there's a lot of that. It, it really depends, though. Some places are super data-driven and, like, maintain databases of that stuff, yeah. and sometimes it's mostly well, anecdotal games, like, and reading forum posts. And certain
1: stuff. games, like, just fit, like are better suited to that, like a game that is explicitly about like a very careful balance. Like that stuff is just absolutely necessary because you need to know that stuff. Like, uh, you know, we're talking about balance Nick, you brought up the balance thing with respect to darkest dungeon. And that game's an interesting example because there's sort of two different kinds of balance there. And they prioritized one well over the other and the kind of balance that they did prioritize. And obviously this didn't work for Steve, for example, but like the kind of balance that they were at least trying to achieve for like, a significant portion of their user base was frustration versus like perseverance and, and success basically. So like how much can we punish the player without stepping over the line into like, they just don't want to play anymore, but they still feel like they're being constantly like, There's like things are always uneasy and they're like always on slightly shaky footing. So there's that kind of balance, but then there's also the like balance that's internal to the game itself, which is like we have 15 different um, character classes and you have four of them in your party, and uh, those like how much do we care about balancing? all of those classes against each other so that any given party of four different classes will actually create a balanced party. And that's the kind of balance they decided not to prioritize. And so that the designer basically said when people on the team like brought those concerns to me, I basically said like, that is just not my priority. I like right now I, there's like other design um, tenants that are more important in the moment. And I thought that was, um, I thought that was really cool. Like he sort of talked about, wanting to create the feeling of like first edition D and D where it's kind of janky. And like, if you pick the weird party composition, you have to just kind of roll with that. And it's just a, it's just part of your weird specific, like bundle of hardships in this game. That is essentially a big bundle of hardships. Um, and, like, obviously then in multiplayer games, there's additional kinds of balance, which are, like, player versus player and, like, all kinds of other things. But, like, deciding which kinds of things are actually important at all f- to be balanced in your game is, like, another whole area. But, yeah. I don't know. Making games is hard, I guess. I agree yep. with that. Yeah. when
2: cool. I remember when, I, the, I remember when uh, after I finished uh, Firewatch, I was looking at the... Because, like, I was looking at the trophies, because it shows publicly, like, how many users Mm -hmm. have it or whatever, and it was interesting that, uh, I mean, you guys had good retention through the end of the game, but it was, like, just very textbook, like, 80% of players have Act 1, and then 70, and then 50, and then 40% finish the game, you know, it's just sort of like, it's, there's something between... Those are just people who haven't gotten around to finishing yet. And right. those people are like, I played half of it. Uh, I guess I started playing something else instead. And it's just interesting to see. Like, there are a lot of games where it's like getting the, the end of the game. The achievement is like, oh, 15% of players have that because yeah. nobody cared enough. Um, but it, it always happens. And it's certainly... it it's, it's interesting when you look up that kind of stuff and it doesn't mm-hmm. map the way you would expect. Right. You know what I mean?
1: At this point, I generally kind of feel like if you're in the zone of about half the players finish the game you're in like a pretty good
0: yeah i think th- i think that that's the, like my
1: general barometer that yeah. like
0: that declining graph is also the if, if you think about it in terms of a movie it's not the case but i think if you think about it in terms of like how many seasons of tv have right, you picked right. up and abandoned or Le- a book of any length or like yeah how many novels yeah. have you left sort of like like yeah. open on your bed finished, until you eventually yeah. just put it away yeah um I, for me I, that's yeah. a lot yeah because yeah. anything
1: that requires more than like one to two hours is definitely like in most people's lives that's real time and so yeah yep Mm -hmm. thanks for listening to our hour-long podcast Making
3: it yeah. through Every to almost week. the end. Sorry many, about Ten
0: percent of listeners out there. How many? How many? You, how many podcasts of our podcast length do you listen to half of, it and then just fast forward to the end or delete and well, not see, listen man, to it next week? I do podcast, that a lot. I do that. Uh, all yeah, the time.
1: podcast is actually uh, weird because it's so low tech mm. compared to most things that are on the internet at all, or even not on the internet. Like even just like books, ebook readers are way more sophisticated than podcast readers in this way. Like podcasts it, it is as if someone who makes a podcast just because of the infrastructure that like this stuff is still running on there's just no unless you're listening through a proprietary thing like stitcher or something um there's just absolutely no way for the actual creator of the podcast to know anything about what their user behavior at all like if you if you develop a podcast app like uh, overcast or something then you as the developer of that thing could i guess collect stats and maybe that maybe that guy does but like but we, as people who make this podcast, have n- I have no idea. Yeah, it would be <laughs> pretty fascinating
2: to know, like, oh, we have however many thousands of Yeah, because like, you- YouTube gives you all of that information yeah. for your videos. You can, yeah. see,
0: yep. you can see engagement and abandonment rate and all sorts of, like, when people get linked into your video. You can hmm. see all sorts of stuff for, mm-hmm. at least, I don't know if that's true of all accounts, but that is a feature that YouTube has. Yeah, and SoundCloud itself might do that for people who listen to their website. But definitely not yeah, just like is, man when it's just an MP3 file sent out over RSS like a podcast that you don't get any of that information. Yeah. When I
3: worked at Bethesda, we could just like you would launch like a, a game trailer like the first like Skyrim teaser and then just see where people like bounced in and out of it. it was yeah. so interesting. Yeah. Oh my really? god! Like like yeah, when they would open just, a tab did, to tweet it about it or when they wouldn't like, care or whatever. Yeah, you could just you could just see the spikes in different places and it was just fascinating. Like over like a two minute trailer, just mm-hmm. seeing like oh yeah this is the point where they sense that like, there's not much left and like the stupid, you know, logo yeah. is going to come up soon. So they just, they killed it early. This is like the 10 second point where like, probably like if it was just like a redirect or something, they just closed it. And then there was just like a weird spike in the middle where clearly like people had just linked to the part that was actual like gameplay footage and not just like the <laughs> right. the sort yeah. of like, you know, yeah, that's so rendered stuff. And it was like, oh man, you can just, f- it's like very clear what's going on. And uh, yeah, yeah, that's yeah, really good.
1: As someone who's like, I've, Worked on um, several video game soundtracks and re- like released other music and stuff. And um, certain sites like Bandcamp, um, uh, in the back end, they'll show you um, like a breakdown of all your tracks and how many for each one they'll subdivide the listens into like started playing it, listened to most of it, or listened to all of it, or like skip to the next one. And that is a weird like it's. That is like, can be a demoralizing thing. I mean, like any of the, like same with the thing you're describing with the trailers, Nick, like, it's just, you know, I think we all know deep down that all of our attention spans are terrible. Um, but it, everyone likes to imagine if you're the creator of something, it's like, oh, like this many people enjoyed it. That means they all like enjoyed the whole thing. Like, nope, probably not. <laughs> like, or maybe they did and they just had enough of it after a while. And like, yeah, it's really interesting to see that, that data. Which is not something that people, the creators all throughout history ever had. No. For, like, all of human existence, that's only a thing that, like...
0: Think about how you can optimize
1: your next musical composition based on those <laughs> metrics, Chris. <laughs> mm. you know what's funny is that actually never occurred to me. Like, well, of course, why would it? But, like, it never even occurred to me as, like, a theoretical thing. Technically until you true. Said I mean, that's got to be
0: stuff that Wait, happened. to optimize your next
2: composition?
1: Yeah, well no, I just mean I don't the idea of ever writing music with that in mind. Well, but like oh,
2: I yeah. I I would nearly guarantee games, it totally does, that like people who are like professional composers for like oh, Taylor yeah, Swift or something oh, are yeah. like I, we have I'm all sure. the metrics on her last album. People really dropped off halfway through track 4 and that was it, like Yeah. And that's has got to crazy. there's, like,
1: that one Swedish yeah. guy who writes, like, half of Taylor Swift's songs and, like, also everyone else. Right. I think he's Swedish. But he, and, and, yeah, I'm sure that that oh, guy yes, for is <laughs> extremely aware of, like, how many beats per minute are the most satisfying for, like, this demographic? And, yeah. like, how, you know, like, how long is it attention span for this and that? Like, yeah, that stuff has got to be crazy. Yeah. Especially because now everything's on uh, streaming services where they actually presumably are gathering right. all that information.
2: Well, and I bet that places, I mean, even more so than... I, I bet that, like, for, like, Netflix originals and Amazon original uh, videos yeah. Oh, stuff, they, like, they've got to know all they've that They've got to have yeah. all that shit, like, and way <laughs> oh, more man. so than, like, the movie studios that are making <laughs> right. content yeah. and providing it to their kids. Ho- yeah. I
0: hope that the mysterious Swedish man who writes all the pop songs knows... Uh, yes, for the, you. I hope that he knows, knows the <laughs> metrics down to, like... Where they're like, oh, well, people don't listen to it there. Then he's like, uh, that's only the YouTube and Spotify people who give up. People who have paid for it give up here. Right, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, I will write the music for people who give up who bought the album. I'm not writing music for people well, who give up tie- who listen only in Spotify. Well, that also
1: ties into like, certain pop stars who have the ability to command... Like this will not launch on streaming on day one. It yeah. right. will only be sold but as an album. I, I, I like
0: that they could use the metrics of yeah. who likes. Where it's like people still give up and skip tracks all over the place and whatever. But if you but like, if there's different, different yeah. behavior, well, like we're optimizing for the pain well, the, the opposite side of it
2: being like, okay, so this kind of we, we need like I'm just picturing balancing an album by like okay. The third track needs to really appeal to YouTube users. It is like it's like okay, we gotta, have we gotta have something that the Spotify people will really engage with. This album's missing a Spotify track. This not it's like Spotify oh people God.
0: never put any of the ones that sound like these or have similar patterns in their playlists. Yeah. What's
1: up? The Spotify algorithm rarely recommends tracks. That look, oh.
3: <laughs> so yeah, you just end up designing for AI at that point.
2: Just yeah. literally like what does this what is this oh, what does this a i want what for me what does this machine want like
0: yeah, someone would then be like, oh, well, apple y- music loves this shit <laughs> mm. well, oh no no, we've no, noticed no. it beats one members <laughs> yeah eventually you'll you'll start doing like a weird visual analysis and you realize that your second album just looks like a shittier jpeg of your first album somehow <laughs> like it's just right, yeah. Looks like a CRISPR JPEG. We, have, per- we have perfected our alg- algorithms.
2: <laughs> algorithm. Our algorithm. Yes, for you. This has been a great podcast. Thanks yeah, for listening to Idle one.
1: Thumbs, a podcast you are no longer listening to because you got bored of it 15 minutes
0: ago. <laughs> metrics show. We don't need metrics to make this declaration. You're not listening. <laughs>
1: You can find us and uh, all of our shows at idlethumbs.net. We're on Twitter, at Idle Thumbs. And, oh, thanks, Steve, for being on this podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me on. I'm, I'm glad to, to be here Steve. for once. Yeah. yeah.
0: For people who are probably wondering why Danielle didn't show up on the GDC episode, she was only in town oh, yeah. for, like, two days. and yep, we and we tried to have her yeah, on. Yeah, we missed. Yeah. So, sorry. Hi, Danielle. Listen to Danielle on Idle and Weekend. The
1: reason that she had to fly <laughs> back early is because she's getting her, like, emt re- recertification so yes in classic danielle form it's just to do
2: something way more awesome than that's true. Yep. <laughs> than recording this. a b- dumb podcast <laughs> yep. that people stop listening to at when the engagement yep metrics yep. drop too low <laughs> yep so uh
1: but you can hear her every week as you probably know by now at idleweekend.net i actually still see people man i actually still see people who i who uh are who mentioned being current idle thumbs listeners who were who like over the past few weeks, I've seen people be, oh, Danielle's doing a podcast again, which probably means they are just all dropping out of Idle Thumbs episodes before the point where we remind them that Idle Weekend exists. Oh, yeah. so we so, gotta we, so yeah, we get better,
3: we we have have to start inserting, inserting it, like, like, yeah, yeah,
2: yeah.
1: yeah it's at like, the highest point. Yep. of All right. Well, that's not mm-hmm. what I'm that's doing a good now, note, but that's a good still, note for next week. You can still find Idle Weekend, the podcast co-hosted by Danielle Riendo and Rob Zachney, at IdleWeekend.net.
0: Yeah, these are the show. people in the Bethesda player who are like, "Oh, this episode's basically over. Boop, right. gone." What we need to do is design a URL
3: that we can tell people at this point to go to, and then it's just a counter. So then we can just
0: like, oh, if you're go still to this podcast, IdleWeekend.net. This is the question bad mark. mark of doing this is the, equals yeah. thumbs two five four. Right. Yeah. There you go. Well, and there's uh, like don't do that. That doesn't. Nah, turn it doesn't go anywhere. No, don't do that at all.
2: No, but I was just thinking about... Go to (laughs) Zazzler.com. I was just thinking about that's that's gotta be, like, the weird, like, they figured this out in the 80s thing that, like, NPR does, is how they put, like, the consistent, like, post... Like, end of episode joke at the end of, like, oh, this American yeah, like life this American or, life, yeah. you know, yeah, yeah. car talk or whatever. Cause um, they're no, like, the, oh, people the, were gonna quit. Yeah. You mean the hustlers? Yeah. Yeah. Like, as soon as we started doing Station of Invitation, talk. everybody was gonna right, quit. So they always a little, like, tidbit at yeah, the end. it's yeah. like, oh, but we gotta see what the joke is about right. the producer after yep. the. Cre- anyway. Post credit sequence in Marvel Universe. <laughs> Come on, everybody. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.
0: I wonder what the French Canadian pronunciation is according to this website. J'espère Jules. Oh! Yes! No, that's, that,
3: that's official. the one. Oh, no, man. that's what you take and just cut into yep. every instance of Jesper Jewel. Yep.